Northern New York Community Podcast, stories from the heart of our community. Hi folks and welcome to another episode of the Northern New York Community Podcast. I'm your host, Max Del Signor. I can promise you that you've tuned in to another great interview and conversation, this one with Becky Vandewater. Anyone who is familiar with St. Lawrence County and especially community projects in the villages of Canton and Cranberry Lake should be familiar with the Vandewater name. Becky has come in and has been kind enough to reflect on a life well lived in St. Lawrence County, memories and philanthropy shared with her influential husband Peter, and how his unfortunate passing has helped shape her philanthropy in life today. Becky, thanks so much for coming on and doing this podcast. We are very lucky to have you here. Well, thank you. St. Lawrence County is such a meaningful place for you. The deep history goes back to your family and more specifically your uncle, who we'll talk about in a second. Uh, you enrolled at St. Lawrence and eventually met your husband there, raised three great children uh, while mostly living in Canton at the time. And you have a nice second home in Cranberry Lake. So how do you describe this lifelong love for Northern New York? Well, I think coming to St. Lawrence was the beginning for me. It was uh, a small town, which was where I was brought up, and uh, it just suited me. Uh, it was a wonderful liberal arts college, but mainly it was because I met Peter. So your family roots, though, with St. Lawrence, they go back quite a ways. Oh, yes, they tell do. Me, tell me a little bit about the lineage there. My mother graduated from St. Lawrence in 1932. My two uncles graduated from St. Lawrence in 1930 and I think 28 or 29. <laughs> then I have nieces and nephews. I have even my own children, even though we lived in Canton, they were because Peter was vice president for student affairs at that time, uh, they uh, said, we really love St. Lawrence, but we need to get away. <laughs> <laughs> so they did. Uh, two went to Middlebury, one went to University of Vermont. Um, but they, all three of them had some connection with St. Lawrence. Either they went to a semester abroad or a January semester, as well as uh, just being there. They loved St. Lawrence, they met people there, but it was great. As a young girl, was there ever any thought of attending a different university or college, or yes. were the family ties still pretty strong? My first choice was Dickinson College, where Marilyn Spleet went to college, mm -hmm. but I got on the wait list. Oh. And so I got to St. Lawrence instead, and of course that has made all the difference to me. So tell me about meeting Peter. Oh, well, we met at an open house uh, he's Beta Theta Pi, and I was a tridote, and we met, and we found out that we had a lot in common. We both grew up in little tiny towns in New York State, not, not Canton, but, mm -hmm. you know, but mainly we fell in love, and uh, that was the main thing. How did you know, or did you know, when you first met Peter, this is the person I'm going to marry and have a family with? Yes. Was it an instance? Was it a glance? Was it a first time out? What do you remember? <clears throat> it was the first time I saw him, and I, I said, oh, I would like to meet him. And so I did. I often say in one of my memoirs, I say um, to the family, I want you to know that two years difference in our age, I am just grateful that some other woman hadn't captured him <laughs> by then. <laughs> so I got him instead. <laughs> well, and it, it obviously to have three great kids and uh, the life that you've led, and especially with the majority of it being in Canton, New York. So being St. Lawrence graduates, 
the university kind of brings you back. Mm -hmm. um, and Peter obviously had a really successful career in education and in higher education. And during that time that you were living in Canton, you both found outlets to really kind of reinvest in the community in ways. Mm -hmm. Volunteers at your church, other area organizations. Mm -hmm. You sold Christmas trees. Yes. Raised sheep. Uh -huh. Started a bed and breakfast. Uh -huh. Just if you could explain a little bit of those business ventures, let's say, or investments in the community. Why did you decide to do some of the things that you did? <clears throat> well, Peter had been headmaster of Vermont Academy in the 80s. And um, then we decided we really wanted to come back, back to Canton because we had rented our house uh, that we had built in 1976. Um, the Stone House, uh, which I don't think you've seen. I don't know. Mm, I don't think so. Um, we decided we wanted to do a bed and breakfast. And we also wanted a maple syrup operation. We had that. And we had the Christmas trees. And then also Peter was involved with, uh, as an adjunct at St. Lawrence, teaching in the education department. Also started the outdoor program. Mm -hmm. All of these things, as well as doing the community things that he was, had, he had time to do some of those things. And we had enough money to, uh, to make it, you know, not a whole lot, but we made 15,000 a year doing bed and breakfast. <laughs> Is that very much? But <laughs> Well, it made you happy though. It was a venture you felt was important and it was yeah. meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. How, was it difficult to balance all these things that you were investing your time in and you had the three kids? Mm -hmm. um, what was that experience like in trying to juggle all these great things? I think that uh, Peter and I really felt very comfortable raising the kids. We knew it's the same kind of way that we were brought up. We just did everything we needed to do, and the kids really learned a lot, I think, from Peter especially, and I think they still do. Uh, no, I think the balance, we worked it out. Yeah, it was, the, the trick was, of course, getting enough money for college for the kids. I got a master's in counseling from St. Lawrence. I was employed as an employment counselor for four years and raised enough money uh, for their college. And then at Vermont Academy, I, was, I uh, worked as an admissions counselor oh. for a couple of years. So, uh, so it was, we made it, made it enough, you know. What were some of those important values that you shared with your children? Philanthropy. <laughs> First and foremost. <laughs> Which means to me, community service. It's interesting that both Tom and Catherine and their spouses both have spent time in um, Habitat for Humanity in Georgia uh, at different times in their lives. And um, they, their one year, one Christmas, I remember, they all said, instead of gifts, would you please think about giving to this organization or this organization in our names? And so we did. Um, I think we still gave them a little gift. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think all three of them are very much caring about where they are, their community. And of course, I have two, two children who are near live nearby, and one in Saratoga um, Springs, but she, uh, she's also very interested in philanthropy. Mm -hmm. But money has a lot to do with it, you know? Mm -hmm. You have to have money to raise your family. You have to have money to raise, to send them to college. 
that's, you have a balance. Is there a balance? There is a balance. Yeah. I think it's an important conversation to have. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you and Peter struck a really good balance mm -hmm. in making that work and we did. investing in the things that you thought were really mm -hmm. important in a community. Um, and of course, everything that you spent your time in or financial resources in, whether it was the church, historical society, hospital, uh, Grass River Heritage is something that Peter helped start in, in Canton as well. He seemed to be really at the center of a lot of progressive community efforts. As his wife, where do you feel like those desires came from, that drive to really start something new or move something forward? Well, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that we loved Canton and we loved the community. We loved the chance to get to know other people. That's part of church too, you know, as well as the community. I mean, not that both of them go together. Yes, um, he always has been, he always was that way. And he kind of helped me to become that way. Becky, elaborate that on that a little more about Peter's influence on you in being able to give back or learn to give back a little bit more over time? Well, um, because uh, of the things that he accomplished, starting the Grass River Heritage uh, Park, uh, doing, uh, well, he's, he uh, started the Citizens to Save the Adirondack Park. He uh, had an organization before the Adirondack Park was, was actually set up to stop um, this rich um, kind of corporation that wanted lots of condos mm -hmm. in the middle of the Adirondacks, and he stopped that. Low altitude flights, we don't have low altitude flights from the Air Force anymore. And he um, was very much involved in the community of, of Canton itself, the Canton Initiative. He started that and trying to improve downtown Canton. Uh, which he did, but of course the thing that's sad is that, you know, things have changed in 15 or 20 years. Uh, we have too much traffic coming through. There's not as much, um, how should I say, uh, people tend to buy online or they tend to go to Walmart mm -hmm. instead. But he was, <clears throat> I, I believed in him, I believed in what he had to say, so I tried to, and I am now trying to do what he would want me to do. But I'm still trying to save money mm -hmm. for the kids. <laughs> what was it like to enjoy these various forms of philanthropy and doing it all together? How meaningful was that to you? <clears throat> well, I think in the community, uh, everybody got to know Peter and, uh, and me too, but um, mostly Peter and uh, all the awards that he was given for various things that he did, Canton College too, as well as St. Lawrence and downtown and Canton. And it made me realize that it's a, it's a wonderful way to live your life. You know, to think about your small area, uh, which of course for me it was a small area. For you maybe Watertown might be a big area, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, to know people and to, uh, to feel as if you're helping. I feel that, for instance, the church and community program that we have in Canton, uh, all of our churches are involved with it, and uh, it's a thrift shop as well as a food bank, and I help do that, um, do that usually for snowbirds um, when they go away, but it's just amazing to me to see what 
the people in the North Country need. Food, clothing, money. And um, it makes you realize sometimes because you live in a college town, a lot of your friends are either professors or somebody, and they have enough money to live comfortably. But the people you don't get to know are the others. And all of our children went to Canton uh, School, and they had friends who were in the poor area. And I think they learned um, very quickly what well, what they could do to help, maybe, but I mean, they couldn't at that point. Um, but still realizing that our lives are not suburban, wealthy kind of thing, you know? And that's why I'm very glad that we had our children and we raised them in Canton rather than, oh, New York City. Mm -hmm. Gave them a different view of life. Very that much, very much. To go back quickly to Peter's accomplishments and things that he had mm -hmm. uh, been a part of. He had certainly a direct impact on the Northern New York Community Foundation, mm -hmm. being the first representative from St. Lawrence County to serve on our board, you know, an organization that at that time had lasted mm -hmm. 75, 80, 80 years. Right. What can you recall about Peter's experience serving the community in that role and being a foundation board member? Well, I think he enjoyed uh, getting to know so many of the people on the board. He really liked Alex and Randy and felt that they were doing wonderful things in the North Country. And of course, he was very excited when, when it was decided that uh, St. Lawrence County was going to be part of your charity gifts too. And um, <laughs> well, he was on the board of so many places and the <laughs> I can't even tell you all of them. It became very important to him to, to have you and the whole organization care about the North Country. Uh, Peter battled a rare blood disease, mm -hmm. amyloidosis, for mm -hmm. three years before passing in 2014 at the age of 77. Mm -hmm. You have said that, Peter, that you feel Peter wants you to continue on with mm -hmm. your giving back in thoughtful and meaningful ways. In these last three years, what has philanthropy meant to you? Well, I think I've been more generous than um, Peter ever thought I would be. <laughs> and uh, uh, my idea of spending my, the rest of my life is to not spend money on myself, but to think about giving uh, away, but also saving money. I like to do both. And, but I think Peter's legacy has given me the idea that, uh, yes, what is most important? Uh, and of course, your legacy. You asked me that question one time about what about the legacy going down? Well, do you know that St. Lawrence started a little, well, first year program. You know, they have a first year program. And they named, I just found this out this fall, that they named one of the colleges Vanderwater College. Well, that's exciting. And yes, that's great. Yes. Um, because he was, of course, very environmental. The uh, interested as well as, um, well, everything. Then, of course, uh, Grass River Heritage, and he has his Vandewater Trail. Mm -hmm. We have three scholarships at St. Lawrence, one in my parents' name, one in Peter's parents' name, and one in his name. And do you know that the Spleets that you just interviewed, mm -hmm. the reason they have their spot 
at Cranberry Lake is because we gave a lot to St. Lawrence mm -hmm. and um, over a period of time because of tax things or whatever right. we couldn't give we couldn't give a hundred thousand dollars in one time <laughs> uh, but then they decided to buy the lot they built that wonderful I guess you can call it a camp or a house. Good. Well and, and Alan and Peter were fraternity brothers? Yes and Alan and I were uh, in the same class mm -hmm. yeah but no and, and of course, Marilyn went to Dickinson. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Can you share, Becky, one of your most gratifying memories of giving back at a local level? Hmm. Well, I was very excited about thinking that you were going to set up the Vanderwater Fund. That was brought tears to my eyes when you said that that's what you wanted to do. Certainly, I think anything that we do to help the whole North Country is, is just very special to me. I'm a hospice volunteer, and I feel like sometimes I say to myself, oh, do I have to go see that patient? That patient's getting near the end. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, I feel that at least, um, at least I'm helping a little bit there. And um, well, because I was on the board of United Helpers and the Canton Free Library and, and the church, I'm still uh, very involved with the church. I'm on the welcoming committee. Would you like to come to church? <laughs> I think you'd be a great greeter, Becky. I'm sure you're one of the best they have. No, <laughs> but no, it's made my life um, a very happy life, really. Despite the fact that I don't have Peter with me, um, as of course I told you before, his spirit is here. And uh, I hope he's. Hope I'm saying the things that he would want me to say. I hope so too. I'm sure he's very proud of of all that you've done. Uh, <laughs> certainly, to to go back to a question you we talked about before with your children and grandchildren. Mm -hmm. I know in a previous visit we talked about you being able to see some of the values and some of the characteristics and traits that Peter had in your children, not just your children rather, but your grandchildren as well. Right. Can you just share a couple of those? characteristics or values that your grandchildren have that bring you so much joy today? Sure. Um, well, uh, all six of them are handsome, smart, nice. They do care very much about the environment and life here on this planet. And many of them, all four, four are involved with environmental things. Um, both in terms of their job as well as their college, and maybe even one being a nurse practitioner at some point, I don't know. Mm. Whether it was Peter's genes that did it, or whether it's his, I think, his influence. What was amazing to me is that we were so lucky to have children early, and our children have children early in their lives, because it gave Peter well, of course, he didn't know at the time that he was going to get this blood disease, but to, to have Peter influence them so much in so many ways um, that the, I think they all want to pass on what he was like and what he cared about. A question thinking about the youth in this younger generation. What do you think is important for us to do, not just the Community Foundation, but just as a community as a whole, to inspire this next generation to give the way you and Peter have? Oh, 
if they could get involved in community service in some way, church or any organization, Habitat for Humanity <laughs> would be one. <clears throat> but I think community service is really important and certainly at some point when they find that they do have enough money to give to others. Right now, none of them are, they've all had college degrees or well, one is a sophomore in college, but none of them, we don't have wealth, a wealthy family at all, except that I did um, receive some money from my parents. And as an only child, I, I was the only one who got it, whatever, whatever. And uh, my parents were very philanthropic as well. And so that's why I want, I want to make sure that there's enough money for each one of them to be able to be philanthropic. But you can't give money if you don't have money. You have to have enough to survive yourself. Mm -hmm. But there's one, one essay that Peter wrote about your life. Is there any need, he said, to have a mansion? Why have that? Why have a fancy car that just uses a lot of gas mileage? Why fly all over the world? Of course, we did do some of that, but um, because of the gas, you know, the, the what, fossil fuels that right. are used sure. by the airplane. Let's lead a simple life. Why not think about other people and not just think about yourself? And I think, I think all six of them have gotten that message. Whether they'll follow it, I don't know for sure. <laughs> sure, they've done a nice job. Yeah, but... Uh, to go back to Peter's knack for passages, um, he wrote a number of essays and columns for the St. Lawrence Plain Dealer for many, many years. So when he did have free time, he did like to write. Yeah. But one of the passages, we've talked about this before, but I'd love to get this in as part of the conversation, was his reflection on being remembered and what that meant to him. So I'm going to read this passage, then I'd like to have you just explain mm -hmm. what you think he was trying <laughs> to convey. Okay. I think there are only three ways we'll be remembered. The first is through our children and their lives. I'm confident that our three are good people, good parents, and good citizens. The second is by what we leave behind physically. Things don't last forever, but when we built our stone house, we modeled it after a the French stone houses of Hudson Valley, some 300 years old. The third is memories others have of us. We hope that they are good and lasting. Mm -hmm. What does that entry mean to you? The entry, you mean something lasting mm -hmm. more, more than just, remem just remembering people? Mm -hmm. oh, sure, artwork, um, handwork, having things named after you. How about a cemetery stones? He mentioned that, mm -hmm. that I wanted to be remembered in three places, <laughs> and he's in three places too. <laughs> no, I think we all have to realize that at some point we just will blend in and that certainly our children and grandchildren will go on, not to worry about it all, just to, uh, to do the best you can while you're here. And um, that's what he did. He did the best ever. Well, you certainly both did. So thinking about the legacy that both of you would leave behind, everything that you've done in this community, what is your hope in your words? Mm -hmm. What is your hope that the legacy for Peter and Becky Vandewater, what would that be? 
Well, the Underwater Fund in North Bend. <laughs> Maybe even the Underwater College, the first year program. The fact that um, we did build two houses and uh, I don't know that we'll have a plaque of Vandewater on them, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, the work that he did at St. Lawrence, people don't really forget those things. And what I have done, I've done a little bit, but mostly I just like to uh, entertain you with soup and homemade bread. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the finest I've ever had, Becky, it's very true. <laughs> Well, between the volunteerism mm -hmm. and the charitable giving that both of you have demonstrated, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of folks can certainly see that and say, here is a family that wanted to make this community better, mm -hmm. found ways to do it in whatever fashion that, that fit best for them. But also, I think it was a great example for others to lead and continue to follow that example that you've set. I hope so. And you're continuing to, to champion the cause even after Peter's passing. So. Yeah. Well, that's my purpose in life right now, is to pass on his legacy and, um, and to make people read his book of essays. And uh, of course, I would like even more. He wrote, he wrote a couple of other books, one on uh, St. Lawrence University. Um, you may not know that. And of course, his Christmas stories he put together and for the family. And I usually don't I think I sent you a little few things that he had to say about life. We, we just feel, I, I say I, we, feel um, that we've done our part. And um, we just certainly will continue. I'll certainly continue and to do it. But I want to save money for the children. <laughs> Well, and, and you're certainly doing doing so, but you're, the, the giving that you've shown, certainly after Peter leaving us so soon, mm -hmm. um, has really been, I think, inspirational, not only for those of us that know you well, know the family well, but others that remember Peter's example and everything that he's done, mm -hmm. um, and will continue to do so. Mm -hmm. yep. And we're so grateful that you took some time to come in on the podcast to, to share and reflect a little bit, not just on what Peter has done, but everything that you continue to do, because it is meaningful and it is making a big difference. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's just one thing I want to say, sure. and that is um, Robert Frost is one of my favorite poets, and he wrote a poem called The Road Not Taken, and two roads diverged in a yellow wood. One had a little more grass than the other, he said, so I'm taking the one less traveled. And he said, through the ages, um, I'm going to find out that, in fact, that was the best possible thing that I could have done. And that's the way I feel about, and I think Peter did too, that instead of going to a lot of different places, that we stayed where we did. and. We're happy that the road we took. It's been a good destination as you've come to. Good destination, yeah. Well, here's hoping others will also take the road less traveled and be courageous enough to, again, follow the example that you've led or the follow the path that you've blazed in community service and philanthropy in this area. Mm -hmm. My maiden name is Blaisdell. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. What perfect timing for that. <laughs>
Well, Becky, thank you for coming on the oh, podcast and you're taking the time to share your story you're as well. Welcome. It was uh, made it easy. I didn't even have to look down and see what else I had to say. <laughs> no notes needed for this interview. <laughs> okay. As uh, we wrap up, I want to thank our supporters of the podcast, WPBS and the Northern New York Community Foundation. Every interview is easily accessible and always free, whether it's online or on your mobile device. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or other podcast platforms when you search for the Northern New York Community Podcast. Check out our podcast website, which also features interview highlights, photo galleries, and much more. Just go to www.nnycpodcast.com. Thanks again for listening to our interview with Becky Vandewater, and we will catch you next time on the Northern New York Community Podcast. Northern New York Community Podcasts, stories from the heart of our community.